All right, let, let's, uh, let's recap. We got a lot to talk about today. Uh, we remember that Paul writes this epistle to the Galatians. The book of Galatians can be called the battle cry of the Reformation. It could be called the greatest charter of freedom, the Christian Declaration of Independence, according to Bill Henriksen. Martin Luther says that the epistle to the Galatians is my epistle. To it, I am, as it were, in wedlock. Galatians is important because in any age, it answers the basic question asked by the human heart. How can I find true happiness? How can I obtain peace, tranquility, and freedom from fear and condemnation? It is in this letter that we hear from Paul that we're not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. He says in chapter 2 and 16, for by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Paul writes this letter, however, filled with sadness when he hears that in Galatia, the doctrine of Christian freedom is in danger because there were people around them that were trying to get the Galatians to believe that they were saved by their obedience to the law and not just the whole law, but only certain pieces of the law. These people did not deny that faith in Christ is necessary, but they loudly proclaimed that circumcision and obedience to certain additional legal requirements were also necessary. And Paul warns them about this perversion of the gospel of grace, the truth that if we follow Christ, we are free from the law. And he tells the Galatians that their lists of right and wrong are not what saves them. And if they truly want to fulfill the law, we must love our neighbor as ourself. But they aren't even able to fulfill that one law because they're running around with their curated lists of right and wrong. And he says in chapter five, verse 14, that they are biting and devouring one another. The answer to living a life of freedom, the answer to truly living a life that is free from guilt and condemnation, a life that pleases God and neighbor and not the desires of our flesh that lead to ruin is to walk in the spirit. And we will not gratify the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. If we're to live a life of true freedom in Christ, Paul says we must crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. Doesn't that sound fun? If we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. So let us not be conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. So if the letter of the law is not what indicates we're living in life of freedom in Christ, what then is the evidence what is the fruit that shows that we are truly walking in the spirit? Paul says the fruit of the spirit is love. Hunter shared with us that love is the singular fruit of the spirit. Every other characteristic of the fruit of the spirit comes from love because if we are to be like Christ, we should love for God is love. Paul tells us in another book that if we do all sorts of amazing and supernatural things, but don't do any of it with love, 
We're just making a bunch of noise. Hunter told us that love rooted in our heart is what keeps the garden of our heart free from the weeds of our fleshly desires and allows the fruit that comes from the spirit to be deeply and healthily rooted in our everyday walk in the faith. Paul then tells us the fruit is joy. Josh reminded us that, that if we are to have abundant life in the spirit, it requires us to abide in Christ and to cast our cares upon the Lord and live a life of true worship. For if we live a life celebrating the goodness of God, we will have joy. And he says, and even though the fig tree die and the barns are empty, we can still rejoice in the Lord. Abiding in God brings joy. Paul tells us then the fruit is peace. Jason shared with us that the death of the American community has brought about an epidemic of anxiety that has caused American Christians to pursue de-risking their lives instead of clinging to the word of God, which is the gospel of peace that allows us to have a seated soul in the presence of difficulty. He reminded us that walking in the freedom of the fruit of peace means that we are fully trusting in Christ Jesus, which allows a peace that transcends all of our hearts and minds to guard us in Christ Jesus. If then we are peaceful, we can then be patient and tap into the Spirit's ability in our life to endure circumstances without being provoked or losing courage and though our lives are tested and challenged we can know that patience will be manifested in our lives if we endure our circumstances with hope in the power of God Amen. Hunter then told us that people see Jesus more clearly when we produce the fruit of kindness in our lives love is kind and kindness isn't an emotion it is an action if we cannot show the fruit of kindness, we cannot be like Christ. Amen. Then Emmanuel shared that although there's various views on what goodness looks like, when we extend God's love, we are living in goodness. For God requires those that walk in the spirit and its fruit to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. We do all this with faithfulness. Because God is faithful to us in our struggle. He is faithful in our despair. He's faithful in our defeat. He's faithful with our destiny. For even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And when we walk with the spirit, we are able to show a faithful love in a faithless world. And when we treat others with mildness and humility without power or pride and rely upon the spirit's guidance as we pause and pray for God to show us the way we become Emmanuel says gentle we become gentle with people we care about like David was gentle with Saul when he could have killed Saul but chose to spare his life because gentleness has us thinking about what if we were in the other person's shoes. Aristotle defined gentleness as the mean between the extremes of an excessive anger and an inability to be angry. Amen. But none, none of this fruit of the spirit can be evident in our life unless we allow the fruit of self-control. Oh, don't we love that word, self-control, to rule over our minds 
bodies and spirits. Let's look at a little illustration of maybe our challenge with self-control in our lives. Look at me. You can have fruit snacks, but you can't have them right now, okay? You gotta wait. You gotta wait until mommy and daddy come back, okay? You can't eat these yet. You gotta wait until we come back. I'm gonna leave them right here. Don't touch them. Wait, okay? We're gonna come back. Don't eat them yet. Don't eat them. We'll be right back. We just gotta go get something. Just go, just wait a second. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control, according to Philip Kennison, was widely praised by the Greeks long before the time of Paul. A follower of Socrates says, Shall not every person hold self-control to be the foundation of all virtue? and first lay this foundation firmly in their soul? For who without this can learn any good or practice it worthily? This, however, is not what Paul means by self-control. We are reminded that this fruit is fruit of John? No. This fruit is fruit of Michael? No. What is it? This fruit is fruit of what? The spirit. Not our flesh. Paul does not tell us to have faith in ourself, in our ability to produce this fruit. Rather, he tells us that our self must be crucified. In chapter 2 and 20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives within me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. A little bit further in chapter 3, verse 3 says, Are we so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, am I now being perfected in my flesh, Hunter? So let, it not, let us not think that we start with love and we think all of this is the Spirit's work and then we get to the last and say, well, it's all then about my ability to do all of these things. We would be missing the point. Galatians 5 and 24, he says, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. See, the true fruit of self-control is not about our ability to produce fruit. It is not about our ability to discipline ourselves so that we're no longer in sin. Paul says our bodies are at a constant war doing and desiring the things that are contrary to the life of 
freedom in Christ. And Paul confesses himself, I'm unable to do this. He says, the things that I know and want to do, I seem to not be able to do. And, and, and the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing them all the time. So this man who is telling us that the fruit of the spirit is self-control is not telling you that he has gained mastery of himself so that now he can produce all these other things. Because he confesses even himself, he has difficulty bringing his flesh into subjection to the things that God would want him to do in his life. Self-control is a fruit of the spirit is our ability to take ourself off of the center stage. Nail it to a bloody cross and invite the spirit of God to work through our fleshly bodies so that in my body, God can be glorified and I can present my members not as an instrument of sin, but as an instrument of righteousness. Self-control is not about subduing or controlling my passions. It is about having the will to surrender myself to control of the Spirit of God and allow the Spirit of God to begin to cultivate and work in me what is his good and pleasant work. The desires of the self are more determinatively ordered not when we strive most diligently to bring self under control, but when we use our freedom in the spirit to become servants of God and servants to our neighbor. Paul says if we think the fruit of self-control is our ability to rule our bodies, we'll only become conceited. Because if I, like the Greeks, felt like I have gained mastery and over my body and control of it, then I could look at myself and say, look at all this fruit. I chose to be gentle because I'm the master of my emotions. I chose to be kind because I have worked so hard to develop this and be a kind person. All of this would lead to self, and Paul is telling us that self needs to be crucified so that the fruit might grow and be born in our lives. When I take my flesh to a cross, where old self is called to die, then I can live a life that is yielded to the Spirit of God where we die to self and allow our dead self to be where the cross of Christ plants his spirit and grows his fruit. See, self-control is me making the choice to die. To die to myself. To die to the passions and desires that focus on me. so that I can live in the spirit. And if I live in the spirit, I am able to walk in or keep step with the spirit. And then the spirit can produce fruit in my life. Walking in the spirit is that constant and effective influence which the Holy Spirit exercises within our hearts, whereby we are being directed and enabled more and more to crush the power of my indwelling sin and to walk in the way of God's commandments with freedom 
and joy. If peace, like Jason said, is a seated soul, then self-control is a yielded soul. I must have the strength to yield the desire of myself to the will of the spirit. This is my self-control as a fruit of the spirit. I can discipline my body by diet and exercise and run a marathon. I promise I will never do that. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I could discipline myself to do it if I had a mind to do it. <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> and I won't. And the thing is about our flesh is, is it's fickle. Some days, some days I get up in the morning ready to go and shower, have my coffee, and I'm off and running with Jesus. And then there's other days that even though I know I need to get up for this meeting, even though I know I need to study, even though I know I need to rest, all of these things, and still my body says, we're not doing any of that today. None of it. Say to myself, I'm going to only eat pizza maybe once a week instead of four times this week. And then everywhere I go, oh, there's pizza. And my flesh says, give it to me. Give it to me. And I'm at a war with what I know I need to do with what I want to do. The thing is, is that when I force my flesh to surrender to the spirit, the spirit is a constant. The spirit of God that is placed within us always wants the things of God. Amen. So by submitting my flesh to Christ, by taking a walk with him, spending time in prayer with him, abiding with him. When I submit my flesh at the foot of the cross to the will of the spirit, then Paul says, I live a life of freedom in liberty because I'm not now worrying about telling my body, don't do this because I'm walking in the spirit. And when I'm walking in the spirit, I can be free of condemnation, free of fear, because I know I've given my desire over to a thing that is only going to pursue that what the Lord wants in my life. When I yield myself to the control of the spirit, I know I will always bear fruits of righteousness. When I allow the spirit to lead me, the spirit then becomes the controlling influence of my life. When I allow Christ to be the master gardener of my body, mind, and emotions, I will produce the fruit of the spirit for it is God now who is working in me both to will and to do his good pleasure. If we want to live a life of freedom, we must live a life where we surrender this self to Christ and bear fruits in keeping with repentance so that our life becomes a place where God wants to dwell. Be planted and rooted 
for the fruit of the spirit can be produced and feed a dying world with the love that comes from his spirit. Know today that if we want healthy fruit, we must surrender the soil of our hearts and lives to Christ so that the root of our faith in Jesus Christ might be planted, established, and able to perfect the fruit of the Spirit within us. With love, we must surrender all of ourselves to God, abide in him, and allow the Spirit of God to direct us and equip us for fruitful living. The musicians can come and uh, communion servers can get ready. So today as we prepare to take of the Lord's Supper, and as we reflect on all of this fruit and continue to ponder how we can continue to manifest this in our life, or, or more accurately, how can we allow the Spirit to manifest this in our life? My thought is that we need a more sacramental view of our bodies. Just as bread and wine are transformed into more than bread and wine in the Eucharist, thereby sanctifying part of God's good creation for a higher purpose, so full-bodied worship ought to facilitate the offering of all we are, including our bodies to God as a sign of God's recreative and transforming work on the earth. Amen. Let us allow ourselves today as we seek the fruit of the spirit to be broken and crucified so that we can take the blessed and broken love of Jesus Christ and allow the power of the spirit of the risen savior to keep you in step with him. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives within me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. For the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Lord, we... Father, we surrender ourselves to you today. We invite you to come into this space, to come into our hearts and minds. I pray, Lord, that I come to the cross broken today. Take this flesh, nail it to the cross, that its passions, its wills and desires would be crucified with you, that I might take on your love so that you with my faith in you, rooted in you, I might be able to bear the, the fruit of the Spirit 
Use our members, Lord. Use our life as the garden by which you plant your fruit. And may we continue to surrender to you. In moments where we're challenged to think and respond in the flesh, may we pause and pray and invite your will to be done. Invite your spirit to take control. Lord, I ask that you would keep all of us under the sound of my voice in step with you. May we have a seated and surrendered soul that joyfully places all of who we are and all we ever will be into the palm of your hand. Mold us, shape us for your purpose and your glory. And when we're tempted to be conceited, when we're tempted to gloat, when we're tempted to be in competition with one another, may we be humble. May we take ourselves once again, every time we're tempted to pick up the flesh, may we have the strength and the will, the self-control to yield to you. For your way is perfect, and in you there is perfect liberty. Bless us as we take this communion today, Lord. Strengthen our bodies, strengthen our souls, strengthen our mind, and may we be reminded that we are part of one body, one mind, one heart that is here to serve you and glorify your name. We love you and we give you praise in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.